It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the Potpourri edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor Richard Skinner. With my man Rick Brewer, we take a look at uh, local topics in sports, national topics, and occasionally an off-the-wall topic or two that will take us away. And Rick, lead us off. Skinny, the Reds are about to embark on a 25-game stretch during which only one of their opponents will have a losing record. The team's current record is 18-24, and so my question is, after these next 25 games, will the Reds be in position to be buyers or sellers ahead of the trade deadline? I think you're going to know, right? I mean, if you go through this stretch and start winning games and, and winning them against good teams, you will say, okay, we've gone through a really tough stretch. We are maybe back above 500. Um, we need a piece here and a piece there. We're getting a piece back in Scooter Jeanette. Um I, I think you're going to know either way. The unfortunate thing is I think you're going to know the, the, the opposite way because I just don't know. I, I, I keep thinking this team's going to hit. I keep keep expecting it to hit. And as each week and each game goes by, I'm just starting to realize you're about to the stage where you got to say you are what you are. And I just don't know if this team's good enough. I don't think it's managed very well at times by David Bell. Um, I think it's why they've lost some one-run games. I mean, you've wasted some really good pitching. They, To their credit, the moves they made to improve the pitching have really worked out. I think, and this is where I can't point a finger at Dick Williams and, and Nick Kroll. I think they, I think they banked on some guys hitting the way they've hit in the past. I don't blame them for that. I think you have to do that sometimes. They did a great job to upgrade the pitching staff. Again, I don't think this team's been managed great. Um, guys have underperformed. You have an aging first baseman who is severely underperformed. I just I, I think after this 25 games, you're going to know one way or the other, right? Yeah, and I agree with you. I think we're going to find out that they're, they're sellers, but only to a certain extent, I think. And I think we went into this season, and people got all excited because they did yeah, make moves, I was one of them. And it felt like they were going after something. And I said at the time, look, one, they shouldn't be going after anything because this team isn't good enough to be doing so. I still think they are. See, and they never were. I, I, I know. They never I mean, were. I've said the, that since before the I would season. I was saying, through 42 games, they've proven they're not. Right. And so I don't think this should come as a huge surprise that guys that weren't really wanted by the Dodgers, you know, Matt Kemp and Yasiel Puig, weren't going to be the difference between this team. But here's where it gets frustrating, is that, as you mentioned, we thought the pitching wouldn't be This there. good. And the pitching has been good enough. The pitching is there. They're up in, they're competitive with the, the top teams in the National night League. Night in and pitching. night out. So that's what makes it really frustrating, is you thought – the the offense was already in place mostly last year that you add another piece or two. The offense really should be pretty darn good, yes. and the pitching would still be lacking, and maybe you'd be building towards something. The problem is the pitching looks better, the offense is in shambles, and it really doesn't feel like much of anything is being built towards right now. Now, that's easy to say when you're just losing games at the professional level. Right, and that's the thing. I, the only fix I can tell anybody right now is is I need Joey Votto to perform better I need Jose Peraza to perform better. I need Jesse Winker to perform better. I need Eugenio Suarez to some degree to perform a little better, although he's hitting the ball out of the he's ballpark. He's getting it going. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I need Tucker Barnhart to perform better. But outside of that, what 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 are the fixes? I don't think there is any magical fixes. Yeah, I'd like to get Scooter Jeanette back, but honestly, this team right now against left-handed pitching is a train wreck because Winker can't hit lefties. Um, Votto, Votto can't hit, period. Um you know, Barnard's hitting 170. You just you have a lot of weird holes in this lineup right now that, again, I keep thinking it's going to come, and it just doesn't. 
I'm to the point in the season where I'm already just having a really hard time staying interested. And I think Reds fans are too. Caring about the game. you see that, right? I think the only solution is to get some of the young stars, like a Winker, a Senzel, some of those guys, you know, if any of the other younger guys that have uh, been cycled through at different times or are yet to get their opportunity, step up and and maybe show some promise. That's really the only thing that's going to keep me captivated is looking towards the future now. Because, I mean... Derek Dietrich's been fun. He's been one of the guys kind of get it going, but is he really a, a piece of the future here? No, probably I, I, not. Probably not. No, he's a, he's still going to top out at fifteen to eighteen right. homers. It's right? kind of like the Scooter Jeanette thing the last few years for me. It's like, but it's see, I think fun. He, he's I think he well. pro- I think he proved it over that two year span. Dietrich's but, done it for for a handful of. But games. realistically, he's still probably not like a cornerstone of your franchise moving forward into when you're actually going to be good. So, yeah, I don't. You know, I I don't know. I I. I know this is going to be jumping way over the skis in this conversation, but but you are going to get to the point. Or you're going to have to make a very tough decision, maybe on Joey Votto, and, and I don't say that lightly. And I do know that they owe him still a hundred million dollars. Actually, technically one hundred and seven plus what they owe him this year. Uh, if he if he continues to slide, and he's at an age where you can't all of a sudden go, oh, he's going to get it back. Well, don't forget, last year were career lows in every category, basically for him, other than the one year he only played sixty five games because he got hurt. I mean, it was a career low in batting average. It was a career low in slugging percentage. It was a career low in OPS. I, I told you I thought the on-base percentage would still be there. That's not there any longer. He's swinging at bad pitches. Um, do you get to the point where you have to look and say, all right, in order to move forward, we got to swallow a chunk of this and move him on? Well, I think you he needs to get going somewhat before that would happen, right? Because you're I, – yeah. Who, who else is exactly going to want to take well, on yeah, that but you're, money? I'm telling you, you're going to swallow it. I mean, you're going to have to swallow a big chunk of it, it no matter what. And you're going to have to do that either way. Yeah. But I think for this to really make a lot of sense um, – I think you get to the point where hopefully he gets it going a little bit mid-year. Hopefully. And then someone will give you a little something back if you're willing to eat some of that contract. And maybe that's where it really takes the Reds from, yeah, they're going to be selling to, oh, they're sellers and they have no, a piece I, or two to deal. I, I, Joey's not a huge bargaining chip at this point, correct. but he's a big piece. I, I would say, I, I hope he gets hot over this 25-game stretch. I just, I mean, look, if this was 28-year-old Joey Votto, 29-year-old Joey, 32-year-old Joey Votto going through this, but you go back, I'd, I'd crunch some numbers. I mean, his last 400 bats, he's batting 245. Uh, the power's not there. I, he, and he, he, we're doing this on a night after he hit a long home run. Great. And, and he, he should have hit one last week in Oakland, too, that he got robbed on. But, and this is not all on Joey Votto. I no, mean, but, not at all. But, but you still, I think when you went into this season, if you're the Reds, you're saying, all right, if he bounces back just a little, I'm not expecting 30 home runs again. I, but look, he still got on base at the highest level of anybody in Major League Baseball last year. He still does that. That's why I think you saw David Bell. I think everybody laughs when he hits him leadoff. I think that's why he realizes, look, the guy still has a track record of getting on base, so I'm going to put him there so he can get on base. Um, but you're also expecting him to be a big part of your offense, and he just maybe he's not capable of doing that anymore. And the question then is, who is? Who carries this offense now? Uh, that's a good question. One we don't have the answer to, obviously, or we'd be making a whole heck of a lot more well, money. And that's why I think after these 25 games, you're going to know. Either he gets hot and this team gets hot, um, and they beat some good teams along the way and, and maybe go, I don't know, pipe dream 14-11 in the stretch, basically get back to 500 coming out of the stretch. But I could also see this team, if they continues to hit the way they do, go 8-17 and 17 in this stretch, and then you're dead. Yeah, I think they're probably somewhere around 10-15 and 15 or you know 12 and 13 something like that is my guess and they and they're kind of just floating through i mean that's what they do they're just uninteresting and that's it's just not it. like they're the worst team in major league baseball they're just uh yeah not and I, good and, and you and fans i can't blame they they've they have hit the right it's until you start winning 
they're not coming back. You can have every bobble. It was funny watching the game. I watched the game on 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 uh, Tuesday night. We're doing this on Wednesday morning, and I watched it pretty intently. I actually left the commercials on because I was I wasn't doing the old clicker like everybody else's. I just had it on. Was doing some work. I swear to God, every inning felt like they were pimping an upcoming bobblehead or some ticket promotion. Nobody cares. Oh, yeah. No, Bob Ross night at the ballpark. Great, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I'm t- you can do those till you're blue in the face. Nobody cares until you start winning. Find a way to start winning, and you'll get the fan base back interested. Yeah. By the way, going back to Joey Votto, you remember before the year he was wearing that T-shirt in spring training, the Joey Votto curve. Yes. For everyone talking about his yes. curve and him falling yeah. off. Sure, it's not so funny anymore, is it? No, it's not. No. Neither are Derek Dietrich and Jesse Winker. They're yeah. not so funny either. <laughs> those are your guys. Clowns. Cincinnati head coach John Brandon announced his full staff at the beginning of the week. Sean Dwyer, Tim Morris, and Jason Gee will fill out the Bearcats bench heading into the first year of the John Brandon era. Skinny, what is your initial reaction to John Brandon's first staff at Cincinnati? And also, is it Tim Lunn or Jeff Lunn? Rhymes with gun, they said. I like that. They didn't say it rhymes with one. Rhymes with gun. Gun. Yeah, okay. Like go um, back to the Huggins days. Yeah, I, I know a little bit of Sean Dwyer. Um, obviously, he was on the last staff at NKU, and he's thought highly of. I don't know much about Tim Morris, although I'm told that he's – He's he's pretty good with big men and is pretty good developing players. Jason Gee um, has head coaching experience, was a head coach at, at Campbell when John was on his staff there, and I think this is kind of the old – and I don't mind this. I think people go I, – I don't mind the guy that maybe gave you your chance when it's your turn to maybe give him his chance back or at least you have a familiarity with him. I mean, Bob Huggins did it with Chuck Mayshock, right? Chuck hired him at one point, and then Bob hires Chuck back. I, I don't mind. Again, you have a relationship. I think that's a good idea. So in that regard, I, I think it's good. I don't know. Can these guys recruit at a at a higher level than NKU? That's what we're going to find out. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what you say about the the hires here. And it's not no one's no. One's, I don't think you were going to go get some guy that's a slam dunk recruiter, right? On a right. I mean, you you hoped you could. I'm sure John tried. I'm sure right. he get, had every dollar that was made available to him, and he said, "This is what I've got. I'm coming aggressively after you. You're my guy." To a couple couple coaches, he thought he had a chance at, and it didn't happen. And so at some point, you got you got to hire your coaches. I think these were guys that were all in consideration to come with him. He had a good staff at NKU that really had a nice uh, culture rolling. You know, you hear that so my, much. My question to you on this, and you're closer to it than me, why did he not bring Chris Shumato? That's a really good question. Um, something happened. Something happened. Something happened within the whole time. And, and granted, I know it was probably, you were in a situation where you were probably holding a spot or two kind of for your NKU guys and you felt like, well, I've got to go out and... and Sean, Dwyer, Sean Dwyer out. always was, was coming, it felt like. Right. And, but I think some people felt like maybe those guys would, like Dwyer specifically, who's who was a video coordinator before this and is well known for video and analytics and all that type of stuff, thought maybe he would be a support role, like a special assistant to the head coach or something like that, maybe. Um, one, I think that's a tough sell to a guy who has carved yeah. out a niche as an assistant coach. Yeah. Um, but two... I think the shoemate thing, maybe the timing with him going for the NKU job, and then you're saying, well, I can't hold a spot that long yeah, open for you. Yeah, and maybe, I don't, I don't, maybe there was friction there. I don't buy I don't buy that one only because the NKU decision was made, what, two weeks ago now, and the staff was announced on Sunday? Yeah. I well, mean, there was enough time in between. Well, I guess my only point is with Dwyer and Morris, they were probably saying, hey, we need to know yeah, if we've got okay. a spot or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, and John was just saying, well, yeah. I can hold off these spots, but I can't hold off all. Right. I can't no, bring my okay. entire staff over. Right. Okay. Um, and maybe some of that was told to him for, by UC. Like, you can't bring your entire NKU staff. We're not taking all those guys. I don't know how it played out. Right. We probably no, no, will never either. know. Yeah, right. um, it is interesting, though. Something clearly happened there. I think if you're a fan, you're looking at, should I be excited about this hire? Should I not? Well, it's too early to know. Um, you didn't get the big splash. You didn't get go out and get the the 
the high major guy that's well known as a recruiter in a certain area. But even your fan base isn't going to know that. They're they're not. No, but it's easy to get excited yeah. about, right? Like when you see a guy come from an SEC or an ACC yeah. school and okay. he has a, a ground where it's like, yeah. oh, he's really good in that in, yeah, in this area, DC, DC area. Right. He's going to be able to get us guys. Fans get excited about that, and rightfully so. He's good in the Memphis area. Oh wait, no, we you don't got good in the Memphis area right now. Right, you don't have that, but you have um, a guy, Jason Gee, who is an experienced coach and and maybe John felt he wanted a guy who had, had been through it. Now the weird thing about that is I feel like when you're making the jump John is going from the mid low low to mid majors up to a high major level, you would want that experienced guy to have experience at the high, high major, major level. level. Right. And Jason, he's never had any high major experience. Yeah, his head his coach at Campbell. He was an assistant Charleston. at Charleston. He was no, his head coach at Charleston. Right? Yeah. yeah. Assistant. In fact, he was just on the Winthrop staff with Pat Kelsey. Yeah, so she had coach for Pat yep. Kelsey, which is a whole weird yeah, twist of this whole situation. Um, so yeah, I just, I think it's a, a staff that you're really, the, the NKU guys did a really good job. I think they'll continue to do a good job. You are obviously going to question their ability to recruit at this level and they're going to have to prove that. And then the Jason Gee hire is, it depends on how you feel about having that old veteran on the staff. You know, Chad was talking about it all year. Chad Brennell that yep. we do our college basketball podcast with that Xavier was hurting because they didn't have an old guy sitting at their bench. So UC now has one. Um, hopefully it'll pay off. For yeah. Them. No, I, I, like I said, I, I, I know people kind of look and go, well, wait a minute, this guy, you know, look, he's a he has a relationship with the guy and, I, I I don't have a problem with that. I think it's I think it's a good hire. I think he did a pretty good job with the yeah. staff. I'm huge on Tim Morris, by the way. I love the I've job heard good he did things. I don't NKU. know much about him, but I've heard good things. I think he one, I think he's underrated as a recruiter. I thought he did a really good job getting the guys he got at NKU, but two, I just think in terms of developing bigs, he was excellent. And that's to me, I think that's a really important thing at the college level is having guys with skill development that that the players trust. And yeah. he really, really communicated well with his players. Keeping with the Bearcats skinny, they also landed their first commitment under Brandon on Sunday when Moeller graduate Jeremiah Davenport pledged to play for Cincinnati. As a senior, Davenport averaged 15.7 points per game with 6.2 rebounds and 2.1 assists while shooting more than 59% from the field and more than 38% from the arc. He was named Player of the Year in the city, and he was also originally committed to Wright State before deciding to take a prep school year at Hargrave Academy. How will Davenport fit in at UC and in the AAC? I think he's going to be a really good player. I mean, I'm not here to tell you he's going to be a player of the year type of player, but I think he's really good. His senior year, I probably broadcast about a dozen, if not more, Molar games. And, and as the year went on, he impressed me more and more, more than Jackson Hayes. And Jackson Hayes was pretty impressive because the jump he took from his junior year to his senior year was incredible. And now Jackson Hayes will be a lottery pick in the NBA. Um Michael Davenport, as a as a high school player, and I think even as a college player, has a better skill set than Jackson Hayes. You talking about Jeremiah? Or, yeah, Jeremiah. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jeremiah. Yeah, Michael's the dad and, and a brother. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, Jackson Hayes just has that link that NBA teams are going to love and all that stuff. Right. But I'm telling you, Jeremiah Davenport, he can guard. He can guard three different positions. He can guard twos, threes, fours. He can post. He needs to probably get a little more refined on his jump shot on a consistent basis, but he can make threes. He, he's explosive going to the rim. I mean, he committed to Wright State, and I had thought at the time, man, they just they got to steal because this guy's just getting better and better and better, and he's going to kill that league. I remember you saying after the state tournament that you thought he was going to be really good in college. Yeah. yeah. And then he had some great issues, and that's why he goes to Hargrave, gets his great issues all straightened out. And obviously had a good year at Hargrave, and I think that getting getting better and better and better put him on at a little different radar. I look, I don't think he's going to be seventeen points per game guy. I can see him having a nice career of, of, of twelve points, six rebounds, three assists, do a little bit of everything, make a tough bucket when you need it, make a stop when you need it, be a 
12 to 1500 point score in his career. I think it's a good get. I think it's a really good get. Yeah. Is this a, a program changing recruit that's going to have an immediate impact as a freshman that you're super excited about? And I think there's upside to do that, but I'm not ready to commit to that yet. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think you should be going gaga. I was like, oh man, this look at how this staff recruits. Right. What an amazing get. But sometimes you just got to hit a single, especially when you first get a that job. Could, that in this case could turn into a double or a triple. Guys are defecting and, and everything else, and you've just got to stabilize. Sometimes you just need to land a guy. This is a guy who can definitely play at your level. I don't think there's any question about right. that. He's definitely a, a guy who's good enough to play at UC. Not to mention, I look at a, a guy like Trayvon Scott, I think Jeremiah Davenport's as good or better as a prospect at the same I agree. Same age as Trayvon Scott was. So I think this makes a lot of sense. Plus, he was a guy who is about the city. He's about he wanted to play at UC and didn't get the offer before from Mick Cronin. I think it makes a and right ton of so, sense. For those who are wondering, UC didn't whiff on him the first time through. No. He just got his senior year. Because he was a, he, much like Jackson Hayes, he was a he was a second guy off the bench as a junior, got elevated into a starting role. In fact, the state tournament his junior year. He was the best player on the floor at times. And then finally got the chance to be kind of the man his senior year with Jackson Hayes and just got better and better. And that's what basketball can be about. It's the, What you are as a sophomore doesn't mean what you're going to be as a sophomore in college. Yeah, he, he's he's a mid-plus guy. Yes. I mean, he, Xavier and UC both did their due diligence Correct. on him when he was in high Correct. school and at Hargrave Correct. and decided he wasn't quite good enough they could do better. But they were also operating with Coaches that have been set who yes. who were doing full recruiting classes. Not a guy who had just gotten a job and was like, I need some bodies and need to land someone. This makes a ton of sense for John. Like I said, it's it's taking a single when it's presented to yes. you and doing a good job. And a, a guy who loves the game, loves UC, and is going to probably continue to get better. So I think it's a really solid get. Um, and now now you've just got to go out and find probably another body or two. I think. Correct, and I think they will. I mean, they're they're going to get probably a grad transfer, right? And they'll, they'll land somebody else. So they'll salvage this class. The big part is, and we're going to know here in the next few weeks, is what does Jaron Cumberland do? Because yeah, that, that's that the, changes no matter, everything. No matter, yeah, year. right, correct. Because because if he comes back, then you have a bona fide star that you can build around in year one, and it's not going to be a potential sub five hundred team. It's a team that could probably compete for an NCAA tournament berth. Yeah, it's kind of funny because right now everything happening so fast and right. really just the offseason in general fans put so much emphasis because nothing's going on on their board that they're all freaking out right Correct. it's the end of the world and and if jaron leaves then it'll feel like the end of the world now but once you get into the season fans have a tendency to sort of reflect and be a little more reasonable and be like well you can't really judge them off of this year because they, they didn't have a good enough team where it's funny if they do have jaron cumberland i think right away john is going to be judged a little more harshly this I, first year because a lot more is going to be expected sure. of this team so it's kind of weird how that happens like right now it'll feel like he's doing a great job and he stabilized thing if jaron returns even though he'll really have not much of a role in that if jaron doesn't return it'll feel awful right now and he's losing the program but then once you get into the year the expectations will be lowered Correct. and right he won't be just lost the player of the year in the league yeah so it's it's funny how that works out skinny switching from basketball to football at uc the ncla announced michigan transfer james hudson who was slated to start at left tackle for the bearcats will not be eligible this season hudson was seeking a waiver that would make him eligible to play immediately citing mental health issues as the reason does the NCAA deserve the backlash it's receiving around this city for ruling James Hudson el- ineligible for the upcoming season? I think on the surface they, they do um, because they've been very arbitrary in the way they've ruled on other transfer possibilities. Um, because somebody in the stands called me a name, I'm allowed to transfer because uh, because I, I need to get back closer to home. I'm allowed to transfer without sitting out, and that's that's happened in a couple of cases. I, I, look, I was one three or four years ago that would be screaming – 
stick to your guns on all these transfers. They all have to sit out a year. I don't care what the excuse is. I've done a complete 180 on it. I'm at the stage now where give them one free transfer, and that's all you get. You get because look, there's a lot. You can go to school, and there's a lot of reasons why. It just wasn't the right fit. You're too far away from home. Girlfriend's back home. You realize, oh crap, there's four left tackles ahead of me. And man, I, I, I just, I'm not there. I need to go somewhere else. Um, the, 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 my position coach flipped. He went somewhere else, and now I got this guy, and I don't have a relationship with him. There's just a myriad of reasons for that. And in, I know it, my my thought process was it would always turn into the wild west. Well. I think what you're seeing with the transfer portal is instead of it being the Wild West, guys can get on the portal and literally go, oh, Fred's getting ready to transfer. Remember, we recruited him. Let's let's go. It's just a it's different free agency. Re- just, yeah, it's just a different yeah. recruiting method. Yeah, almost like free agency, for, for goodness sakes. I, 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 there has to be a rule in place. I mean, I, I do think one free transfer, that's great. I, I think at that stage, I don't care what your reason is the second time around. you got to sit. I don't care what it is. I don't care the reason you have to. I don't care if your coach left. You got, you got your one free. You know, I'm, I'm going to let you have the one free mistake or whatever reason. And again, for the NCAA, I'm going to guess that they think the mental health thing is just an excuse. Well, that's that's a pretty pretty slippery slope to go out on to say, hey, we're gonna we're not going to grant you immediate eligibility because we think you're using that as an excuse. No, it's it's it's. I think it's real. Well, and if it's real and he didn't want to talk about it at Michigan, that's that's his decision. I think your argument. Uh, your first argument is the better one and the one you see people should be making right now is the fact that the NCAA is just totally inconsistent with how they rule on these things. And And for the record, I have reached out to the NCAA myself (laughs) and I'm going to wait for a response. It just Uh, simply said, I'm just looking for an explanation. How quickly do you think they're going to get back to you on this one? Uh, I will say they they did ask you, they said on there, when when does your story post? And I put ASAP. What is your deadline? I put ASAP. Now their response back to me was a generic, the, the typical quick email response back that said we may not be able to answer your inquiry in one business day if they do i'll be surprised i'll be surprised if i get an answer at all yeah but this whole situation the inconsistency is what bothers me and where i think you see people and and james hudson should be arguing because look if the ncaa is going to say we you have to acknowledge something like that or there's a deadline or a process right. for how you're supposed to go about this and I'm sorry I'm sure you are dealing with mental health issues I'm sure you are dealing with whatever your issue is I'm sure your grandma is sick I'm sure you do need to be close to home whatever your issue is I'm sure it's real but we had to set these parameters up and you have to abide by that I'd be fine with it no but they problem don't. but the, yeah that's the issue is they they make special cases up all the time and so I could t- totally see the NCAA saying like if you're trying to make this about the mental health thing I'm sorry. Yes, that's a very real thing. Yes, it's being stigmatized. Yes, I realize why a football player might not want to bring that up when he's at Michigan and and tell the football coaches that he's dealing with mental health issues. That all makes sense to me. But at the same time, let's be very clear that in the sports world, it's the equivalent of coaches saying, I'm leaving because I want to spend more time with my family. It's something you can't ask about. You can't go any farther into, and you just have to believe it at what they say. So to that extent, I have no issue with the NCAA saying, we don't care what your reasoning is. We're just sticking to our rule, whatever that rule is. And again, that's but you have fine to do that all every the time. time. Yes, you have to exactly. do it all the time, and they don't do that. So from that perspective, I totally agree. Why? Why? I, I I like your idea. Everyone gets one free one, or they get as many free ones as you want. I really don't care. I'm fine with transfers. They just, don't bother me. I don't think they're an epidemic. I don't think they're an issue for sports at all. In fact, I think they make them more fun, more interesting. They create more storylines in the off season. They they create more parody. I think it's great that these quarterbacks across the country that were supposed to be top recruits that got recruited over or maybe didn't start off on fire trying to find a fit 
they're going to go play somewhere else now and probably be Heisman candidate somewhere. We've seen it time and time again. I'm great with all that. I love it, but just be consistent about yes, it. That, that, Don't that, get into this situation where you're holding out this one kid who, regardless of what his issue is, whether it's mental health or whether it's just that he didn't like the school he was at, he didn't like the area, it was too cold or too hot or whatever, let him play too. I just The whole thing bothers me and how con- inconsistent it is, and I think that's the argument people should be using. Yeah, and that's where you know I, I know that people would fear, well, you know, what if we lose 22 guys in a year? Well, then you lose 22 guys, and guess what? Go to the transfer portal and Game find 22 and place them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that, it's every team is doing it. If you don't think like the, the coaches, I remember originally, well, it's it's too much on the coaches for them to not know what the roster is going to be. They don't want to know what the roster is going to be. They're all trying to get new guys every offseason. Right. They're all trying to load up on their own free agents. So the fact that they might lose somebody, I don't feel bad for them. No, I mean, it, you look at the Georgia quarterback situation. They, they went from one guy to another guy over top of him. Then they brought in Justin Fields, and they thought maybe he would push. He didn't, so then he leaves. But it was almost like year to year. It was I mean, look at look at Clemson. Clemson got rid of their starter and just said, Tanner, you're our guy. And the starter said, I'm out. It's, it's okay. Not, it's not like Dabo Sweeney is spending June and July with his family on the yacht and getting some good family time in instead of recruiting because Correct. we eliminated transfers. These guys are all going out there and trying to do whatever they can every second they have to get the maximum amount of talent on their roster. So they don't. I don't understand why people are bothered by transfers other than occasionally they lose a player they like on their team. Yeah, and again, like I said, I've done a complete 180 on it. I, I don't. Maybe your way is the right way. Maybe you just open it up and say, whenever you want to transfer, go. You're yeah. go you, can, you can go whenever. Who cares? I just, I just don't under, I don't understand why fans care about it so much. It's just weird to me that well, we, we put this. I know, why, I know why fans care. Fans don't want to lose player A from good old state U, right? Yeah, but we, but they've also, they all benefit from that too. They get player A from wherever as well, and and it ends up working out for them. I think we've placed this weird moral value on transferring, like it's immoral to right. to to transfer. And I just, I don't understand it. No. I've never understood why that's a good thing not to transfer. Yeah, because like I said, it could be for a myriad of reasons, and one of those reasons might be, look, I'm the four string left tackle. I want to go somewhere I can play. Or it could just because you're a jerk and you just don't get along with people well. That's you should too. be allowed to transfer too. That, that that can you transfer right now? I wish that'd be nice. The NCAA announced Tuesday afternoon that a working group has been formed to examine name, image, and likeness policies for student-athletes. The group will examine issues highlighted in recent proposed federal and state legislation, according to the NCAA's announcement. Skinny, do you think athletes should be able to use their likeness to gain access to benefits and or profit? Yeah, I've never believed the school should be in the business of paying these guys. I know everybody thinks that. I think a scholarship is a very nice payment plan, believe it or not. But I also think you should make money off your likeness. And when people will come back to you and go, well, what about the swim team member? What about the third string left guard? That's life, man. The quarterback, the quarterback's the public face. The star basketball player's the public face. He's going to make more to public appearance than the person on the swimming diving team. And yes, I know. I know they work just as hard. I do. I, I hear it all. Well, they need some publicity because they work just hard. I get it. They do. But in this case, if, if you can go make what you can make because you are Anthony Davis at Kentucky in his one year and, and he, can, he can make money off of the brow in that one year, go for it, dude. Make whatever you can. I just am in the belief schools should not be in the business of paying the players. That part, I, I, I and the, the next best alternative is this. Because I, I think it's very, it's a democratic way to do it. And to be clear, Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith, who's the co-chair of this organization, along with Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman, he did say, while the formation of this group is an important step to confirming what we believe as an association, the group's work will not result in paying students as employees. That structure is contrary to the NCLA's educational mission and will not be part of this discussion and of course, the NCAA's educational mission is to make as much money as possible <laughs> off of those that's players edu- and make sure they don't get any that, of that's it. That's educational. Um, 
you you said you don't think they should be paying players, and I I totally agree. But I think of it more from a standpoint that it's just not it's not feasible logistically that's because of the exact point that's that my, you that's brought my up. Point, yeah. yeah, but if you put it to a free market situation, the schools aren't losing any money. They're Correct. not having to pay anything Correct. out. They're not having to figure out how they're going to pay the 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 third string stringer on the soccer team or anything like that. So I think it's the easiest way to do it. And also, by the way, the people that talk about, well, it's not fair to the the players that go to the small school or the guys that play the small, small sports. If Life ain't fair, man. Well, it's not fair, but it's also, if you've noticed, there's been some really high-profile cases of, of athletes that play at no-name universities. You've never heard of them before. They had a big YouTube following. They had a YouTube channel where they were going to be able to profit off of. They had to take it down because right. it was against Sam Slay rules. Stuff like that, that's my whole thing. Is like If you have that platform, no matter what the platform is, whether it's football, BCS, where you're t- everyone sees you have the most vil- visibility out of any athlete in the country that's not professional, or whether it's just, hey, I've got this weird niche because I'm going to all these different pools in the country because I'm a swimmer and I travel all the country doing that. So I do a vlog online that gets me a million followers. Regardless of what that I put is, time and effort into, right? I think it's a great thing to let these kids figure out how to use their platform for good to promote not just themselves, but causes, um, how to reach people. And just it's, it's a very valuable skill for whatever they're going to do in life, especially with the way our country is currently set up and how much we base off of social media yeah, right. and the internet and everything else. I think it's great that these kids are going to be able to use that. And plus it brings back the, the thing of like selling jerseys, selling video games, all that stuff. Players can now make money off that. And they should. Of course they it's should. It's their number. It's their value. It's not the school's value in that case. It's whatever their value is. And don't worry about the schools. They're, they're not getting fine. cut out of anything. Correct. They're going to make more money off of this stuff if they're allowed to do it. Because guess what? They're going to be getting cuts of those jerseys Absolutely. and everything else too. It's just going to allow the player the ability to sign a contract with one that where they get a little bit of that money. Yes. Just a little percentage. And for those that, again, the third string left guard, I'm sorry to the third string left guard, man. Nobody cares about you. They just don't. Mom and dad do. Your high school coach does. Your friends do. But if you're not going to make money off of it, that's just tough. But there also might be um, Billy Bob's Wing Shack no, no, correct, in some no, college town no, that correct. needs all yeah. the fat guys on the team to correct. come eat wings for 10 correct. grand. Correct. All these schools will be allowed to do these weird marketing things now that'll be part of their recruiting sales job, right. I'm sure. I love it. I, I People think it's bad. I think it is the best yeah. thing for college athletics. I, it will save college athletics. Yeah, like I said, I think schools shouldn't be in the business of paying the players, but the players should be able to make money however they can make money. Totally agree. Michigan coach John Beeline is leaving Ann Arbor after 12 seasons to become the Cleveland Cavaliers coach. And now, according to Bovada, Rick Pitino is a favorite <laughs> to land the Michigan job at plus 475, Skinny. <laughs> Patino is second in line to Texas Tech's Chris Beard, who's at plus 325. First of all, do you think John Beeline will work out as a head coach in the NBA? Uh, give him a roster. I mean, yeah, you got to know who he's going to be playing. I first, mean, right? I don't think he's going to have much of a roster, right? Not, not with the Cavs. I think for John Beeline, it's this. At the stage he's at in life and what he's kind of accomplished in college and the fact that it, what, he got a five-year deal, right? Worth X number of millions of dollars, that he probably more, certainly more than he's making in Michigan. What a great end of career place to be! A great way to. I mean, retire, I'm, isn't I'm it? getting myself a windfall here at the end of the career. I get to test the NBA water and just, you know, I always wanted to do it. I, I think his attitude is one that could work. I don't think he's that college coach that has like my system, right? Because I mean, remember his days at at West Virginia? It was the the one three one, and 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 you know he didn't really play that a whole lot at Michigan all the yeah. time. I mean, he he changed, kind of changed up a little bit. He really evolved on the offensive end Correct. over the years, just yeah. constantly changing what he's doing, letting his players play with yeah. freedom. And and I, I think I I think 
his personality will work in the NBA, but it's a, it's a player's league. So if he doesn't have a roster, he could be the greatest X and O guy of all time, the greatest locker room handler of all time, and they could still go 21 in, in 60. If he, let's say, two, three years, he flames out. You know, I mean, the NBA, it doesn't take long. so quickly Correct. now. Doesn't and if you long. just get the wrong superstar in your locker room, like LeBron James happens to come back or something, he'll fire you in a, a year. It doesn't matter. So do you think if it's, you know, let's say three years from now, do you think there's a chance we see him back at the college level? I don't. I, I think just too old now. I think for him, I think he, I think he's he 66, could. right? Yeah, I think for him, I think this would be, look, the five years gives me the peace of mind of, um, if, the, if I do flame out after three years, I'm still going to get another $10 million over the next two years to sit on the sideline. I think at that stage of your life, I think I've done enough. I think I'd go do what Jim Calhoun does. Go coach a Division three team for the fun of it. I mean, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no pressure. that Nobody's going to care whether you win or lose. And you got plenty I, of I money. I could see him getting back to college. But, man, you're talking about a guy pushing 70 at that stage of the game. I don't know. But, I, but who doesn't want him if in three oh, years know. he's available? You know? I know. I, I, I love John B. I think he's a terrific head coach. Terrific. Also, who do you think Michigan will bring in as its new head coach now? That is a good one. There's no way they bring in Rick Patino, do they? I, I wouldn't do think they? so. I, they've, you would think a place like Michigan would have too many good options to need to resort to that and take the PR hit. Yeah. At the same time, you start looking around, and we are so late in the process. It's like, who is a good option? I, I mean, I'll be honest. Everyone's going to say Brad Stevens' name first, and then they're going to say Billy Donovan's name second. And both those names are obviously home run hires if you can get either yeah. one. But if you can't get one of those NBA guys to come back, who around the college ranks are you looking at and saying you that makes Chris a lot Beard's of sense? name up. We like him a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and he did just sign a, uh, uh, an extension at Texas yeah, Tech. Now, that doesn't mean the anything. The buyout seems to be somewhat problematic, It does, though, yes, it does. Um, man, I just... I can't see Michigan reach into the Rick Pitino bag. I can't. Can you? I again, much like when we were talking about like St. John's and stuff. I I think it'd be a great hire. I don't, I really do not think it would be a problem for any school that does it because one, we get over things so fast. Two, it ca- somehow it came out in court that who, Rick Pitino really didn't know that any of this stuff was going on. With whether you believe that or not, is your who, own. Who who's who's the bigger egomaniac though, Rick Pitino or 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 uh, Jim Harbaugh? Rick Pitino. Ooh man, that's a battle of egos, brother. I think. Well, I think Harbor, Harbaugh needs more publicity and love. Tino needs more control. Okay. So he's more of a control okay. freak okay. than he is an egg, egomaniac. Okay. I would say the guy's a great coach. I've told you, if if just from a pure coaching perspective, I think he's the best. I've always thought he's the best college coach ever. I, I really I, believe that. I, I, people I, can laugh at me for, for de- that. He's definitely top five. Easily. I mean, definitely best, top five ever. And. I mean, I, I mean, I, as a recruiter, as a talent evaluator, as a way to build a roster, and really, I as player development, X and O, I think he does all of it, it superbly. It'd be almost impossible to leave him out of your top three, and really, even then, you're, you're going back to to talk about guys that were coaching in such a different era. I mean, before it was like an integrated sport and stuff, right? You know, I mean, oh yeah, yeah. It, so like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, he he's definitely top five, probably top three. I would do it. I don't think they are going to, and I have no idea. Who else Michigan looks at that's right good, now? That's a good point. There's, I, there are I, just not a lot of good options out there. That's a very good point. Uh, you know, the Billy Donovan decision in Oklahoma City is is his still, right? Yeah, I I think so. But but it could also be I get one more one more year out of this. A lot to getting, of millions of dollars. It is. It, it man. Yeah, it's, it's a it, it, it's interesting. I mean, if if it ends up being Porter Mosier to Michigan, 
I'm I'd be really disappointed as a Michigan fan. Oh, I don't know about that. I would be. I know it's kind of flavor of I the month, right? I think that's a really underwhelming yeah. coach to end up with if you're Michigan, um, especially when you've seen there's been a lot of movement. It feels like the past you know three or four years. I mean, there's a lot of movement all the time, right. but it feels like we just finally cycled through to where most of those up and coming coaches that were stars got their job and settled in recently within the last three years. Maybe Michigan will pay Jamie Dixon's buyout. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Wouldn't that be funny? That would be funny. I I don't see that happening. I, I don't know. I'm going to go Porter Mosier as my guest, but I wouldn't feel great about that as a Michigan person. I'd be pretty underwhelmed. Man, Rick Pitino, him him and his him and his little little son going at it in the Big Ten. Oh, that's I didn't even think about that. That's all another wrinkle to add in. Exactly. Maybe it'll be Richard Pitino. No, I don't think so. Uh, won't be that. Exactly. Who's no. your guess? You got one? I don't. I mean, it it, it uh, we were we have a a, a guy um, at at. Beachwood High School, who's our trainer and an assistant athletic director, is a huge Michigan fan. He actually sent a text out the morning Beeline took the Cavs job, and I had not seen the story yet. And he said it was it was end of an end of an era in Michigan basketball. And I thought, oh my God, John Beeline died. I didn't realize. I did the, too at the time. That's funny you say that. I got a text that just said something about Beeline, and I thought he was dead. I, I so I went and looked and saw, oh crap, he took the Cavs yeah, job. I couldn't did, believe did, that. Didn't know that. So then we were throwing some names out there. I said Pat Kelsey's available. I mean, <laughs> you know, you never know. And actually, somebody did somebody did say Rick Pitino, and he said, oh no, man, why wouldn't you want him? I just just because of his stigma. I guess he will be the best coach with syphilis coaching college basketball, though. Nothing wrong. Nothing with wrong that. with that. Nope. I'm not planning on getting anywhere where I could catch it. That's a good point. Skinny John Daly has been approved to use a cart next week in the PGA Championship because of arthritis in his right knee that he says keeps him from walking more than six holes on the golf course. He will be the first player to ride a cart in a major championship since Casey Martin in the U.S. Open at Olympic Club in 98 and 2012. Daly has caught a lot of flack from media members and even other players on the tour, including Tiger Woods, who reminded everyone that he walked the course with a stress fracture in his leg when he won the USGA Open in 2008. Do you think John Daly should be allowed to ride a cart at the PGA Championship? I thought the Casey Martin decision, I thought Casey Martin should be allowed to ride a cart. He had a a condition from birth. Um, John Daly has abused his body. And look, arthritis can come to people who don't abuse their body, but he's abused his body. Walking is a big part of golf. Tony Finau, last year in the Masters, remember on the par three day, slipped going down a hill. His ankle was the point where... I, everybody, nobody thought he was going to play, and he gutted out the weekend. And you saw his ankle; it was purple and black and green and blue and all kinds of different colors. It's just it's part of the game, man. You got to walk. So, so can I bring that part of the game up right now? Since it's not what anyone is there to see, it only makes the the tournaments last much longer. Why have they not done away with this? Why does everyone not ride a cart at this point? It seems like it would be much easier, make a lot more sense, and actually, carts get in the way. Cart carts can be slower than walking. They really can be. If you're only cart path only, man, it, it can be slower than walking. Okay, fine. So what? It adds a few minutes on either way. Like, so I'll tell you what. So how about, how about, we, do this? How about we do this in the NBA? How about we put guys on scooters? Because that would totally change the game. Correct. This is, what, this is a walking you're, sport. No, this is what you do. Skinny, you're not hitting the ball when you're walking. You're just going to your... That makes no sense. You don't believe what you I do. That's insane. Dude, half the time in the NBA, if I run down the court, I'm not. maybe I, I don't get the basketball. So all I did was run up and down three times? That's part of the game. Correct. And this is part of this game. No, it's not. Yes. No, it's not. You're not walking the... You're not hitting the ball as you're walking. You... You have Conditioning is not part of Oh, golf. more than you think it is. John Daly is a golfer. That's how I know it's not. Dude, and the fact that he can't get around anymore is because he, he has abused his body to the point where he can't. But, I mean, 
I, 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 a, I don't know how to argue this when you're not using even remote lines. I am because part of the game of golf is walking. You know that going in. Okay, so in, then in that case, then no, like, I mean... Casey Martin, unfortunately, was born with a def- defect in his leg. But it, sorry, you can't play in the NBA if you got a defect in your leg. That's part of the game, Chief. I, I know. You just said that. He's, he's the one exception I think I can make. Why? Because that makes zero sense. He was born that way. But it's part of the game. You got to walk. You got to be able to walk. It's part of the game. Let me just tell you something. Back you gotta, in, but, but what you're saying on. is it's not part of the game. Hang on. When Casey Martin, when the, when the issue came down, there were a lot of players on the tour that said, sorry, buddy. That's just the way the rule goes. Yeah, and and by the way, because that is the way the rule's written, so I have no problem with them being like, yeah, don't let John Daly do it. Because, like, to your point, if you're playing as, like, it's the same as basketball, like, you're an athlete. Your body has to be in condition to be an athlete. So I agree with other players being like, hey, those are the rules we all abide by. Those are the rules we all abide by. We don't make a special exception for you. I agree with that from a technicality standpoint. I just don't understand from a PGA Tour standpoint because why are they giving John Daly an exception? It's because he's entertainment. He has no chance to actually win the tournament, but people Dude, like he has no chance him. to make the weekend. Right, but people like so just, seeing him. So he's, just tell him, hey, go walk your six holes, blow up when you make a 13, and be done with it. He's a celebrity. He brings eyeballs. People like tweeting about him. He's good for social media. He's good for the sport. That's why they want him there, which is my exact point. If you're the PGA, you don't want some guy turning his ankle while he's shooting a good round and then not being able to finish the round. Or why saying, hey, he's right a cart now i get one why isn't everyone riding a cart at this point that's my that's what i just don't understand from the p i'm not arguing whether they should or not i'm just saying from the pga tours perspective their whole goal is to make money and to be as popular as possible the whole reason they're letting john daly in this tournament with a cart so if that is your goal and that's what you really care about is entertaining people you should put everyone in carts and it should have been done a long time ago we shouldn't be doing this john daly is the entertainment john daly is a sideshow if you want yes. to go with let him sign autographs Agreed. like pete rose at cooperstown let Agreed. him be the sideshow that's essentially why they're having him there don't give him the cart you can't play this week. Sorry, buddy. You want to walk it? Okay. Walk your walk your 18 the first day. Shoot your 81. Come back and, and walk six holes the next day. And then say your knee's bothering you and withdraw. Yeah. And I everybody mean, wins. Look, I'm, I'd be fine if since their rules are written the way they are, if they told him, hey, you're not, we're not making an exception for you just right. because you're a, a what did your What does your brother, the golfer, think? I wouldn't talk to him about this. I mean, he's, I'm sure, like, again, I don't have an issue with it one way or the other. I just don't understand how it makes sense from a logical standpoint if you're the PJ. You're letting him do this because you realize it has nothing to do with the sport and its entertainment value. I just, I I think you just hold yourself to the stringent rule of, sorry, buddy, you ain't getting one. Well, they should do that, but they're entertainment like everyone else. They're trying to make money. So, again, you should put them all in carts if that's the case because now why even have to put yourself in the situation where you're going to have to make rulings like this where we want that guy in the tournament so we're going to give him the exception yeah that's it makes a bad precedent right of course skinny the conference finals are underway in the nba the warriors beat the blazers 116 and 94 tuesday night to take a 1-0 lead in that series meanwhile the raptors and the bucks will tip off their series on wednesday night the day we're recording this who do you think we'll see in the nba finals this year oh geez let me say golden state shocker shocker I, I guess Milwaukee. I mean, they've been they've been quietly, quietly the most impressive team maybe in the postseason. Well, and not even just the postseason. They've been in the Eastern Conference. They've been the best team all year. Yeah. And it really hasn't even been close. Like you could make other arguments when teams sort of caught fire. Like the Celtics had a stretch there for about a I, month I, where they started playing that, together. And then after that first series with Indiana, I thought the, I thought the Celtics were back. I really did. I think and, a lot of people did. Obviously, they were not back at all. They were not. Um, but the, the Bucks are legit. They Correct. are a legit team, and I don't know how much how much of a window they have for their future or how good they'll be going forward, but this year, everything came together for them, and they are a damn good basketball team. Yep. I, I agree. I think it's going to be Warriors versus, uh, versus Bucks. I think the, the, I think the Bucks push them. 
I think they might too. We'll probably talk about that one more next week when we have that matchup to dive into. But with these matchups, how do you think they play out? I think it's six game series both way. Bucks win in six and Warriors win in six. That's probably about right. And That's I think right. Warriors are, are dealing with Durant not being in the lineup, yeah, but, 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 but you they win. look even better with him right now. Some, without him, I mean. What, what is the, isn't there a weird record with, with him out of the lineup? Yeah, and I... And I'm not one who like buys into the I know that, but team some, without him. No, 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 oh, no, no, dude, dude, he's too good of a no. Yeah, I, but it's weird. It's a weird like 27 and one maybe without him. Yeah, it's and with Steph in, I think I think I'm right on that. They move the ball in a totally different way to where it definitely does feel like oh, it's the old Warriors. They've got right. flow again, but they're just playing more of a different style because they don't have the best offensive player and, in the world. On and their you team. know what? Even without him, they still have dudes. Oh, they're, unbel- <laughs> that, they're still that's, unbelievably that's good. That's the thing, man. He just yeah. is an extra dude. But I think with that and the fact they have a tendency to kind of just say, okay, we're on the road for tonight and we got down 15 early. We're done. Pack it in. Right. We'll get them next game. I think they'll do that to get to six. Um, and then that other series, the Raptors have a lot going. I mean, them getting past that round was such a big it deal w- for it them. It was that maybe that's the one that spurs them on to go to the finals finally, you, right? You could almost see that where it's like but, they're just riding that momentum. But, but man, Milwaukee just, they've been quietly dominant. Yeah. And you're right. You go back, they won 60 games in a regular season on top of it. They that, were the better team all regular yeah. season. I, we saw it during the regular season with the Celtics that the Bucks were better than them. I'm not, I, I, I almost changed my mind and thought, no, the Celtics are going to beat them right. in the playoffs. Fortunately, we didn't really ever get into it, so that take wasn't out there in the no. public. But it, that's sort of what I was thinking. I'm not going to make that mistake again. I think the Bucks are going to be better than the Raptors just like they were all regular season. I do too, and I, I, I think that just the way they play, they, they and the Warriors will be a fun matchup. But I know that's that's looking too far down the road. No, I agree. We'll we'll get into that one next week. The Bucks finished off a four one series defeat of the Celtics by rolling to a one sixteen ninety one victory last Wednesday night. The Celtics came into the season as the favorites in the East, only to finish fourth in the conference, eleven games back of the Bucks during the regular season. There was a clear disconnect inside the Celtics locker room all season, and since Wednesday's loss, some of the players have alluded to those issues during interviews. Skinny, did we get ahead of ourselves in crowning Brad Stevens one of the best coaches in basketball over the last few years? And do you think there's any chance he's considering going back to college after the way this thing has kind of blown up this yeah, year? Yeah, we, we talked about that. I, I, I could see him considering it. I also think that he, I think he is a great coach. I think he's, I think he's really, 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 really good, no matter what level you put him at. Um, I think he'd be a guy that would grit his teeth and try to fight through this and 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 eventually make it work. I, you know, in retrospect, I, I don't know how good their roster really is. I, I don't. I mean, it's good. I don't think it's elite. Well, I think it's a lot better if Gordon Hayward was Gordon Hayward before the injury yeah. and not a total disappointment yeah. this year. I think. I think Kyrie's a pain in the ass. Yeah, I was going to say. I think Brad Stevens looks like a guy who wants to get rid of Kyrie Irving yeah. any way possible. Yeah. After that happens, I think a lot of things will be fine within that locker room. Yeah, I think I mean, he's a weirdo. I, I thought he. I thought he was a major letdown, and I don't think that's on Brad Stevens. I think that was on Kyrie. I think you had a perfect storm situation because what you had is those younger guys the year before who you had to rely on in the postseason right. because you had the injuries. They all of a sudden did much better than expected. And it changed their expectations for what their role would be going forward. Like Terry Rozier running his mouth. Perfect I mean, example. Yeah. Um, but not. But he's not necessarily wrong either. They were really good with him in there last year. Yeah, he and also missed a lot of shots himself. Go make some shots, for, dude. 100%. But all year you could tell he never really got comfortable. No, he never right. got back to that role. And I get, I get why that would be frustrating for a guy like him. It makes sense that there was a lot of discontent in that locker room this year. Um, that being said, what does Brad Stevens think about all of it? Again, I go back to, I think he wants to get rid of Kyrie. I think he feels like he can definitely do this. 
I also think we didn't we didn't get ahead of ourselves saying he's one of the best coaches in basketball. He is. I think he is too. Where we got ahead of ourselves is thinking how much coaches matter in the NBA. at any level, but especially in the NBA. Oh, I think they matter a lot in college. They do, but we uh, we overhype them. Yeah, we overhype them. Maybe. It's so much more about recruiting. It, it, it is and getting the player, but some of that's on you. I mean, that's a, lot, a big part in the of NBA. Sure. A lot of times, the roster you may have some input, but you're not the one. It's more the GM. Yeah, and you're yeah. not the one compiling the roster. People. And I think X and O's matter a little bit more in college than they do in the NBA. I do. I, I do. Oh, I definitely do. So yeah, I think Brad Stevens is. A, he's a great developmental coach. I mean, as a coach myself, and we all still. I, I still probably half my drills are his. I love his stuff. His drill work is really really good so now i think a lot of brad stevens i don't know if you remember but there were i mean last year there was people talking about who's more valuable brad stevens or lebron james you know having that remember yeah, that, the, that's and that's silly when the celtics were yeah, given the Cavs that run correct. and you know it's it's like it was ridiculous at the time but now you look back at it and you see how much more ridiculous right. it was because if if guys aren't happy if guys don't want to do what you want them to do they don't buy into the team or the 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 system it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are or whether you sold it to them properly if for whatever reason that guy just doesn't get along with you the locker room what you're asking him to do it can derail everything. everything. Winning is so fragile at every level, not just high school or college or any of that other stuff. It matters even in the pros when they're getting paid to do it and they're supposed to be professional. And, and I'm one people people have heard me over the years. I'm, I, and they all, I always got ding for this because I don't think chemistry means a damn thing in baseball. Chemistry means zilch, totally zero nada in baseball. It means everything in basketball. It means the world. Look, it doesn't mean you have to like the guy, but you better like playing with the guy and you better be able to play nice together. And obviously there's this function there and i think he's a big part of the dysfunction so yeah i, I i'm with you I, I i look if the michigan job comes calling and you brought it up before and certainly if you're michigan he'd be on my list of calls right that look things aren't going great in boston um he maybe wants to change and boy what a we get with the guy who was an up-and-coming college coach who's had success not like this guy's flamed out in the nba either if you took him today he'd still look back at his nba career and go he did a pretty nice job in boston um I still think he'd gut it out and try to try to. You're right. Try to fix the roster and get a roster that's that's comparable to what he wants. Yeah, I, that's my. I think he's staying put too. I don't think he's really interested. Although, if you're looking for a job to come back for, the Michigan one might be one that's intriguing. Money, um, success, believe it. Tradition. I mean, it's funny. You don't consider Michigan a blue blood basketball program, right? But no, you look but, at the last three decades plus of success, they've had really good pockets of it. Yeah, and they didn't have the dips that some of the other programs Correct. have where they disappeared for a decade. You know, they've been strong all along. Oh, three decades. Go back to the 80s. Yeah, three decades yeah. plus. They'll go back to the 70s. They went to the finals in 76. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's top 10 program probably. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And they can certainly afford it. Yep. Skinny. Well, I think uh, people may have taken our they, – they knew that we were struggling for off-the-wall topics. Yes. They knew they were struggling for ghost topics. So I, I think they thought we could turn this into like a book review or, or maybe we'll get into other things like movie review type stuff. So someone gave me a recommendation of a book that I might need to check out Uh-oh. Um, that has to do with well, what we're into, which is ghosts having intercourse. Um, and it's called Sexual Alchemy, Magical Intercourse with Spirits by Donald Tyson. And so I went to go try to get this book so I could read it and review it for everyone. Do you have a library card? Uh, well, this wasn't at the library, I don't think. I, I think they banned it from the Kenton County Library last I checked. But I tried to look it up on Amazon, right? Yes. So I'm going to buy it and read it for everyone and review it. It was $202.50. Woo! 
So Ghost Sex Books, hot on the market right now. If Apparently, you're trying to figure out what you want to get into. Or was it autographed by him or the into. ghost? No, it was not autographed. It was just, just that's how much the book costs. Wow. That's how much it's going for in these streets. A lot of people out there I don't think- trying to get on the Ghost Sex bandwagon, trying to see how they can fornicate with a ghost. They want to spit a little game to a spirit. I don't think you can expense that either if you if you tried to buy it. Well, no, I couldn't. And so this is what I did instead. I went to the Amazon reviews and said, I'll get other people's reviews for us. That way we will know Simple without enough. even reading. I feel like it's pretty much the same thing. Kind of the Cliff Notes version. So uh, we'll start with a couple of good reviews. These were both four-star, or this was a five-star review. The second one is a four-star review. And then I've also got a one-star review here as well, someone who didn't like the book as much. Uh, probably uh, for 200 bucks, I wouldn't like it either. This is the uh, five-star review. It says, this is a great book. And if you're dedicated and willing to put in the time to learn and practice everything, you'll get results. Just don't expect to pick it up and have a spirit lover overnight or within days for that matter. It doesn't work like that in most cases. Things like this take time. But if you stick it, stick to it, you'll see the results you want from it i first of all it seems like they loved the book it was an honest review right there that it's not it's not like new golf clubs where you're just going to start hitting the ball 400 right, 500 correct. yards it takes practice still but you'll be fornicating with ghosts so if it's you not to like it. the ghost of Marilyn monroe's coming back the second you're done with that book no no exactly it's it's being honest about it but i like how just normal that review was i mean it's fairly normal out later. Yeah. it's like a yeah. uh but they also said you're going to get results and I ain't buying it. But go ahead. Well, we'll see. Go ahead. Um, this is a four-star review. Right, four-star this person review. says, this book is well-written and well-put-together. I will not fault it at all in those aspects. However, you will become obsessed, possessed, or addicted. This is the spiritual equivalent of taking hard drugs. It might seem appealing. Some people might come out on top after having done them. But most of the time, you'll spend many nights somewhere hurting with the shakes. So it sounds like this person loved a physical ghost. Yeah, it sounds like this person has some issues. I think they might have been the king, the ghost of King Kong Bundy or something. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> that one sounds painful. Do, do, we, do we have names attached to these, like Susie from Peoria? You know, I didn't take down the names. Okay, that's um, all right. This is the one-star review that yeah. I got. I, I didn't want to out these people. I figured no, you know, that's, they're that's sharing fair. with us. Um, this one says... I would. This is the one-star review. I would have to warn all who read this infamous book to be very careful what you're getting into. I tried the magic, spelled M-A-G-I-C-K. Okay. I tried the magic contained in it, and it works. In fact, since I was a virgin and got desperate, I put the rituals to the test with disastrous results. Even though I effectively lost my cherry, there was a horrible price to pay. I wound up homeless, and everyone I knew turned against me. Also, I broke up with my girlfriend, and I had to leave the city where this ritual was done. The kind of magic in this book is extremely dangerous. I even got rid of the copy I had. For the price I paid to get laid, I got more than I actually bargained for that I'll... I'd rather be without a girlfriend than extremely suffer for a fleeting thrill. It ain't worth it at all. Yeah, but that sounds like the book actually sounds like it did exactly what, what he wanted. Yeah, to. I don't think that this deserves guy, a one star review. Yeah, this guy sounds like he wasn't. He didn't know what he wanted. Also, my here's the weird thing. This that guy, sounds like the five star review to me. I think <laughs> he might be right. I think this guy's issue is this: one, he's a virgin, right? He's obsessed, Alleged, obsessed with trying to get laid here. Meanwhile, he has a girlfriend. Yeah, so instead so- of approaching the girlfriend like, hey, you know, yeah. maybe if I treat you well enough, we could advance this relationship a little bit and make things physical. He's like, nope, I think a ghost is the best option to get this yeah, my, that, that's my sex little, life started. That's a little weird, don't you think? I would say so. That's a lot weird. So, that should be the five-star review. <laughs> you're, you're probably I don't know. The one where it said, it worked. most of the time you'll spend many nights somewhere hurting with the shakes. That was that a pretty, was pretty good, good review, too. too yeah. You're really into this. That's scary me though well i think if you're into ghost sex you want to be scared a little bit so here's the thing then for 200 bucks 200 250 200 250 i cannot believe that I, you won't believe it buddy 
Because that's really the price on Amazon right now. Everything I'm saying is dead serious, and all those were actually written. You know, I couldn't make up make it up. You think Robert Kraft would have rather paid two hundred two fifty? Oh, I guarantee you paid more paid more than that. That's my point. Yeah, might have been might have been more worth it to him. Yeah, you're probably right. I, I again the the name of the book: Sexual Alchemy, Magical Intercourse with Spirits by Donald Tyson. So be sure to uh, check that I'm after gonna, you're done I'm, listening I'm, to the podcast. I'm, exactly. It might, they might have it on Audible. I'll check Audible. I'm Ooh. going on a trip. I'm leaving tomorrow for uh, South Padre Island. I'll see if I can listen to that on the that, plane. That could be very scary. Yeah, maybe it'll only be like fifty bucks on the uh, the audiobook. Uh, you're flying. Yes. So you can join the Mile High Club. <laughs> there you go with, with a ghost on a plane That'd be, that, that would be if you if come, back, come with back with that, that story you're the big winner man you're the big winner okay well I've got a goal now there you go alright enjoy your vacation thank you alright for Rick Roaring I'm Richard Skinner it's been the Skinny Podcast the Pope Edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati